I got one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count. Praise the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, this is Taylor preaching Jesus the Christ. You are listening to One Life with Taylor via MadeUpMind.com. Thank you for tuning in. Please take a moment to share these messages. You and I both know people who need more of the word of God. You know, people who are lost, you know, people who might be alone in a prison or maybe some type of sick bed or somewhere. But we know people that could use more of God's word. As I always say, and I've learned, especially, uh, you know, having evangelized and done different things. We know God through Jesus and we know Jesus through people. Some people won't go to church. This is an opportunity for you to bring the word of God to them, email it to them, uh, text it to them, share the link to them with them. Uh, Just do something. I pray that God move on your heart and life, that his word would quicken you, as the Bible say. This is not about me trying to attach you to me. This is me. This is about me trying to attach you to Jesus in a way that you have not been attached before. My prayer is that you will be tethered to Jesus, connected to Jesus, wired to Jesus, fixed and fastened on Jesus. Today's podcast is called Most Some None. We are coming out of one verse today, and the main text for this verse is Matthew 7, 13 through 14. I'm going to read out of the King James Version. It reads, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, King James Version. Again, this is called Most, Some, None. So what we're going to do is look at five words. This is one method of study that I learned years ago. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Shout out to Roy Soup Campbell with Icon Ministries in Memphis, Tennessee. You can go to iconministries.com. E-I-K-O-N ministries, plural, dot com. Uh, I mean, I just can't tell you the value of taking time to study God's word. I was teaching last night. And I shared with the group, I said, whenever we like something, we can't get enough of something. We don't want it to be short. We don't want it to be weak. We don't want it to be quiet. We want to optimize that time. Can you imagine going to a prom, a graduation, a football game, Disneyland, a theme park, a buffet, and somebody said, we only have an hour. 
Or let's do it like people do preachers. Hey, you only have 20 to 25 minutes. You would not pack your family up, spend all that money, go travel three, four hundred miles, flying for hours to go to the Disneyland gate and then say, all right, kids, we have one hour. By the way, Disneyland has been a big proponent of the LGBT community in their cartoons and movies and now also at their theme parks. I'm just putting it out there because a lot of Christians are sleeping. They're co-signing on and endorsing these uh, agendas that are hateful towards Jesus Christ. So if I were you, I would abort Disney. But that's another song for another day. Back to most, some, none. Again, this is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. So we're going to look at five words, broad, gate, straight, few, and find. This is out of Matthew 7, 13 through 14. And this is still not a super exhaustive study, but it hopefully it stimulates you again to see things the way that God sees them. The Bible says in Romans 12 2, it says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an ing, which implies it's ongoing and continuous renewing of your mind. The first base for a Christian is you need to develop and acquire and discipline yourself to be become a lover of God's word. Taking it in throughout the day in various ways, a devo on your phone, scripture memory, singing the word of God, praying the word of God, reading the word of God, watching the word of God, meaning sermons or something, but you should constantly be taking in God's word. It's like, do you ever have to tell a smoker to, to stay committed to the cigarette? No, the smoker is going to make sure they got that pack. They go when they down to the last two, they're going to have another pack. When they down to the last carton, they en route to go get another carton. When that lighter seem like it's barely working, they're going to get another light. They always going to have their supply. That's what I'm saying to you. If you want to follow Jesus and know the only true and living God of the universe, keep the word of God in ample supply in your life. And then when you hear these types of messages, you will be thrilled instead of patting your foot saying, man, when is the commercial? When is he going to turn off or you just turn it off? So let's get into it again. The five words from this text, broad, gate, straight. Few and find. Broad is defined in a textbook. This is very powerful. Listen to this. Broad is defined as tolerant. I put inclusive and then the dictionary says marked by lack of restraint. Did you hear that? Proverbs 29, 18 says where there is no vision. The people perish or in other translations, it says the people cast off restraint. That tells us that the tolerant climate and culture today has cast off the restraint of God. This is why pretty much in the eyes of the majority, especially those who are 25 and under 30 and under, 
they don't have a problem with any kind of evil, even if they ain't doing it. They say it's all good. They can do it because it don't bother me. They can do it because, uh, you know, it don't stop me from doing what I'm doing. So I don't see nothing wrong with it. I learned a long time ago in an ethics class at the University of Puget Sound when I was in college. An ethics class taught me the summary of ethics is this. I would say people only care about things that directly affect them. All these isms and totalitarianism and universalism and all these little ways that people think, oh, it's a new philosophy. You see, we must open our mind and all this junk. What it boiled down to is what's in it for me? How does this harm me? How does this help me? That's pretty much how people set up systems. People don't naturally think of what's the good of others. That's we're sinful. As far as we're, we're born into sin and we have the propensity to always consider ourselves above others. This is exactly why Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, if anyone come after me, he must first deny himself. But let's keep going. Broad again is defined as tolerant. Think about that word. Now, here's a question for you to consider. Is there any limit when the road is broad? Let me give you an illustration of what broad really means. I went to a Louis Palau festival years ago. I don't even remember, nearly 20 years ago. Louis Palau, I believe he passed away. He was a great evangelist. He would hold these gigantic, some of the biggest gatherings that you could have. There were about 100,000 people per day. Now, if you've never seen 100,000 people or more gathering one you better make sure you have the space to accommodate that much foot traffic parking walking vendors the stage but when you when I first got into the festival from the back I would just look out and it was like a sea of little circles it was the heads of people thousands of people long hair black hair hats caps scarves I could just see the thousands of human beings. And what I noticed is on the outside edges of the very border of these crowds from whiff to whiff, you would have a whole lot of grass. That means broad means big enough to accommodate however many you want to fit. In other words, it's like kind of like a cruise ship. The reason why cruise ships don't be typically in lakes and rivers, because they're typically not big enough. If a ship need to turn around or current, you mostly going to see cruise ships on the seas. It's a broad way, just like planes fly in the sky and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, just take a, a raccoon. He's running through the forest. It's a broad way. Again, spacious and wide. So the broad word for the, the broad uh, word in Greek is Eurukaros. Eurukaros. And it means spacious and wide, wide open area. I gave you the, the Louis Palau illustration. Eurukaros really means as many as possible. I don't know where you can fit 100,000 people in some random field. That's a whole lot of field. 
That's what broad means. As many as possible. Let's open this thing up to as many as possible. Think about the verse, Matthew 7. It says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Now, let's move on to the next word. So we have our context for broad, especially tolerant. As you can see, the rules and what is accepted is getting like an old movie, dumb and dumber, dumber and dumber by the month. First it was this, then it was that, then it was this, then it was that. LGBTQIAS2 plus ZYXW squared. Now you got, uh, 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 you know, everybody wants to have their say. From the governors who want incest, to the mamas who want to marry their own son, to the what they called as minor attracted. Now you got the pedophile. He say, hey, look, I'm attracted to a four, five, six-year-old boy. I can't help it. I was born this way. Do you see what I'm getting at? That's what tolerance will do. In other words, it don't have no limit because, again, the word in Eurukaros uh, uh, means as many as possible. Now let's move on to the second word, gate. This is, this is profound. Gate in the Greek is pule, which means door or gate referring to the exit people go out. Think about that. When you go in a store, a Walmart, a Lowe's, a McDonald's, a, 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 a Longhorn Steakhouse or a Golden Corral, you go in one door and most of the time, the same door that you go in is the same door that you go out. Sure, they got a big 20 foot entryway, but the entryway also has room for the exit. So again, in this context, it refers to the exit. Keep your mind on exit, even though it says gate. And a lot of times we could say, hmm. Don't we enter into the gate? Even the verse says, Matthew 7, 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. But let's keep going with this definition. Here's an example. People into a bar. People go into a bar. How do they come out of the bar? Drunk. You see? Do you see what I'm getting at? When you go into something, you go in based on the end result or how am I going to come out? What am I going to come out? What's going to happen to me when I go through this door? That's why you go in to begin with. Again, the verse says in 14, because that implies the reason why they go into the broad road. Let me read the verse again, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Enter is an imperative. It's a command. Enter, says God, do it. Now he's given the reason why he's telling you to go to the straight gate. Remember, you have a colon there, which means, okay, this thought stops. Now let me say another thought. For wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, colon, because, you see, so God is telling you to think about what's going to happen when you exit the gate, and that's why you need to be careful or cautious which gate you enter to begin with. Going a little further with the example, 
in the word gate. The Greek is pule. Okay. The example I gave you was going into a bar or when you go to a store. If I go to a shoe store, I'm going to come out with everybody say shoes. Exactly. The only reason that I went into that gate or that door or that entryway is because I wanted to come out with something. It's no reason. It's no. It's the reason why people do what they do. Now, here's the thing about sin. Sin causes people to be blind. It's almost like sin makes a person's mind insane. In other words, they don't have any logical reasoning or it's it's debased and rebellious in that they don't care. It would be like me saying to a person, hey, that's a dark road. Turn your lights on. It's nine o'clock at night. You on a country road, man. You can, ain't, ain't no ain't no street lights. And they turn them off and tell you, I don't care. And when you get to that point in sin, what does what does this verse tell us that leadeth to destruction? Leadeth mean it's a gradual, whether it happens gradually over one minute or, you know, it happens over an hour or a day or a month. It's going to end up in destruction, says the Bible. So. This word gate, pule in the Greek, it says the end result is emphasized because God knows the end from the beginning. He's telling you, listen, as the verse said, enter ye in at the straight gate. He's not telling you to go that way because he's a control freak and he wants to micromanage your life. God is telling you this because he knows what the end of going through the broad gate is. All right. Now, two points I want to make on gate as we move on. You are listening to Tay Love, One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. God bless you today. Two points on gate. Number one, access implies that as you go one way, something is coming the other way. Oh, my goodness. The, the, the big thing they get out now, they're trying to scare everybody. First, it was AIDS. Now, AIDS used to be attached to drugs, needle sharing and bodily fluids. Then in the 1990s, Magic Johnson came out and said, I'm HIV positive. And him and Jaleel White made a song and had this campaign to be like, you know what, Magic Johnson, we still love you. So we're not going to look down on you like you did anything wrong. We're just going to say, you know, get some medicine and life with AIDS ain't too bad. Now what they're saying is a new junk called monkeypox. If you are not into homosexuality, chances are you ain't got to worry about no monkeypox. I know my wife and I are not fretting over STDs or monkeypox or AIDS because we're not doing those things. So again, access implies that as you go one way, something is coming the other way. You're going to have a good time. Two men, two women, a, a, a room full of people pro, uh, promiscuously exploring their sexuality. And as they go in for a good time, you better believe they're going to walk away with a bunch of fill in the blank. If y'all catch my drift. Now, the second point on the gate is the influential elements come with the territory of the gate you go through. If you go through the straight gate, that has one influence. 
All right. The Bible says narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Think about things that have life. When you were, well, when I was a kid, we had pencils, number two pencils. There will come a time when you have a pencil. There's going to be two things you run into, three things. One, the pencil is not sharp. Two, the eraser, you're going to run out eraser. And three, the pencil is going to be short. So you're dealing with sharpness, length, and the eraser, depending on at what point you're using the pencil. So again, that comes with using the pencil. All right. So when you look at the broad gate, again, destruction, if you could take some time, there's a, 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 a neighboring verse. John 10, 10 says, I am come that you might or the thief come, but the kill still and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Look up those three words, kill, steal, destroy. Look at what the, what uh, the Bible says about destroy. And you will never look at that verse the same when you when you do a word study on it. So, again, the influential elements come with the territory of the gate you go through and access implies that as you go one way, something is coming the other way. Hence, AIDS. You're going in for a good time. You come out and a month later, you dead like Easy e bragging about how many women he was sleeping with. And he, once he found out he had AIDS, he, did, he died quick. Going to the next word, straights. Now, this is a very, very important word. Because God tells us, enter ye in at the straight gate, verse 13. So he says that word two times in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. 13 says, enter ye in at the straight gate. 14 says, because straight is the gate. That's double emphasis. He wants to get your mind on this word straight. Why is God saying that? Let's dive into this word. I believe this is going to be the meatiest word. Uh, out of all that we have, but let's get into it straight. It is, first of all, an adjective. That means it describes the gate. We already talked about gate. Now, what kind of gate is it? It's a straight gate. Straight. It means just in a regular textbook, causing distress, uh, difficult, limited as to means or resources, strict, rigorous, in a close or tight manner, stringent in requirement or control, severe discipline, inflexibility maintained or adhered to, very strict, harsh, severe, scrupulous, accurate, uh, punctiliously exact, painstakingly, uh, extending, involving, or showing diligent care or effort. Now I did this. I went through this because I wanted to try and let you see the complexity, the, 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 the weight of the word straight. And on this, in this time around, unfortunately, I did not go into the Greek, but it's okay. We, we've, you know, we, we, we've got enough meat here for you to understand. Here is a great example of straight. You add up all that, that bowl of words that I just gave you. And one great illustration is what they call rhythmic gymnastics. It involves flipping, twisting, bending, stretching, and even swimming. 
So let me read you something that I got. This is from Gymnastics HQ from an article uh, about 10 years ago called How to Become an Olympic Gymnast. It says, imagine you start gymnastics at four or five years old, and for those two years, you are in the gym two hours a week for the year. That's about 100 hours that year or those years. Then ages six to eight, you work out 10 hours a week. And in those three years, you amass 1,500 hours for a total of 1,600 hours. Again, you started at four, five, six through eight, and you have been doing these things for 1,600 hours. Ages nine through 13, you work out 20 hours a week, getting you a total of 6,600 hours. And 14 to 16 years old, you work out 35 hours a week, getting you over the 10,000 hour mark. Now, that's a lot of hours in the gym, but that would give you the best shot at becoming an expert in gymnastics. Your dedication to training is going to be one of the key factors that separates you from other gymnasts and takes your gymnastics to the next level. The Olympic or the Olympian gymnastic or gymnast trains eight hours a day. Ladies and gentlemen, this should illuminate the mind, the light bulb, the heart, the spirit and the soul of parents who put their children in organized sports. You saw the training at four hours or four years old. It was about two hours a week. Four years old at two hours a week. Now, when you get up to be a teenager, you are doing 35 hours a week for a sport. What is a sport? The layman term for a sport is it is a game. You are training your child to become an expert at a game. I know it has a ball, a field, a concession stand, a mascot, a band, a uniform. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you boil it all down, you can play basketball, baseball, football. You can also play tennis and golf. You can play tetherball. You can also play checkers and twister. You can play Nintendo, Sega Genesis and video games. You can play hide and seek. You can play uh, the boogeyman. You can play uh, uh, whatever you want to play. But when we see the word play, the brother next door that it's attached to is game. I want to play a game. The, the, I, I ain't, we can't go there right now, but the point is hopefully you see this illustration shows you how strict and rigorous and severe and harsh and painstakingly straight is. Following Jesus is nothing less than what I just read you. You say, oh, no, Jesus, he's cool. You know, like some of these pictures, like Jesus is this cool dude from the neighborhood, dude. Jesus, my friends, is God. I don't need to pull out revelation and tell you how he coming back. That's the real Jesus. The, the Jesus Christ we see in the gospel is really for us to see that, hey, I'm a man. I put on flesh. I, I, I was hungry like you and all that. But that is not who Jesus Christ is uh, fundamentally in, uh, in the essence of God. 
The essence of God is what we read in glimpses of his power and majesty and all that he does in you know, with the children of Israel and Daniel and the power that he shows through the prophets and the miracles that he works through the apostles and and how he comes back in Revelation. That is the real God. The Bible even tells us in Ecclesiastes 11, we cannot understand this God. We can't fathom this God. The whole book of Job spends like 37 chapters telling us how this God is mind blowing. So let me just warn you, listen, Jesus is saying straight is the gate. Let me remind you that these are words that would be in red in your Bible, which implies they are the freshest source of truth because these are the words that's coming from the very mouth of God. This is why the prophets back in the day would say the word of the Lord has spoken or thus saith the Lord or the Lord has spoken. That means it is official. It's a done deal. You done heard it straight from the highest authority, God himself. Get in your mind strict, rigorous, severe, harsh. And what I mean by that is it is not easy to take up your cross every single day. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? In sports, that's a word you don't want to hear. A gymnast, Olympics, track, boxing, you don't want to hear you are disqualified because that means you automatically lose. Translation, all your five years of training, all your sweating and blood and bleeding and scraped hands and sore feet and tired and all that in a moment can be squandered and lost. That's why you don't want to get disqualified, which means you need to keep your tail straight, straight. Say all the letters straight. That's what it means. OK, now God says straight gate. He says, enter ye in the straight gate. And he says for. He says for. Remember, I told you when you have a colon, that's like, hey, let's let's transition in this thought. Let's stop this thought and say another thought or support the thought. Enter ye in at the straight gate colon. And he says for wide is the gate. He does the same thing. And many there be which go in there at colon 14 because straight is the gate. So God says straight gate. Enter for and because then he says the many, the many, what do they say? They don't say the straight gate like God. The many, many say broad gate. And that's the message we hear all the time and everything. God say uh, no sex before marriage. Wait until you're married. Enjoy your wife. The world say, oh, many say, no, you can kiss and sample and, and touch on each other. And all this, this so-called gray area in the world's eyes, in God's eyes, ain't no gray area. But the world tell you, no, do it now. God say, wait. The world say, do it now. And now you see, once again, God is saying straight. The world saying, no, 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 no. We don't need no discipline. To the point where now the world has said the, the, the road is so broad, you have erased discipline, strict and rigorous. Even when it comes to child rearing, 
People train their dogs better than they train their children. I see more dogs that are loved and petted and they cared for and have better behavior than I see children. That's another song for another day. Let's keep going. This is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. Now that's what God says, straight gate. Many say the broad gate. Here is something that is profound as we get to our last few words. This word few. Let's move on to the word few. Few find the gates. Few find the way. Few find life. Few, few, few. No, I'm not speaking the foreign language. Few, 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 few. I am saying the word few. So what does few mean? Few means not many persons or things. Did you hear what I just said? What I love about the Bible is there's always a clear contrast. The verse says, why is the gate broad is the way that leadeth to destruction? Many there be which go in thereat. Few there be that find the road that leadeth unto life. Many and few are opposites. That's the way God do it. Life and death. Male, female. Up, down. Left, right. Heaven, hell. Few, many. So few find the gate. Few find the way. Few find life. Few in the Greek means Oligos, oligos, it means little or small, not only in size, but also in time. This is so powerful. Okay, again, few, oligos, little or small, in size and in time. Hints of time, a short of time, a little while. For example, take a drawing. Hey, turning your information, we're going to have a drawing for a car. The reason you're going to rush to fill out that information is because you know the door is closing. There's a limited time that they're going to be taking entries for the drawing. That's why. So you have the window of, uh, you know, a week, a month. Let me enter that drawing. And then when it says few, because there is a limit of time, let's say a week, that means everybody is not going to be in the drawing. So you have a short window of time and then there's a limit because everybody's not going to be able to do it. So few, oligos in Greek, implies that not only is the size of the gate small, another uh, a word that they used in this word uh, search is compressed. So it implies that the size of the gate is small or compressed, but also the amount of time it's available or open. So, hey, I have a limited amount of money. I only have 30 minutes to shop. You see, it's two fuse at the same time, two aspects of few at the same time. Because the road is narrow, it's already strict and rigorous, but then, so that means numerically, but then you also have life. 
Two things I always say, and you can borrow any of this stuff. You know, we all kind of borrow from things we hear or, you know, uh, we're all influenced by like different things we read or take in. Two things I used to say all the time doing concerts and stuff like that. One, you don't know when you're going to die. No human being knows when they are going to die. Like a timestamp. No, they don't. The second thing is you don't know how you're going to die. You don't know when and you don't know how. That's two things at the same time. When a person dies, it's when and how simultaneously. That's the point I'm making with this word few. It's size and time at the same time. So the reality of time can be missed depending on what side of life we are on. Oh my goodness. Depending on which lane you driving, depending on what drum you walk into the beat of, you will or will not even be aware of time. Listen to these examples. If you are a working, responsible, accountable adult, then you are or you realize the value of time. You realize that really you are taking a chance. So, for example, if I, uh, you know, I finished college. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's just say after graduation, most folks graduate high school. It gets smaller who go to college. Let's just say high school. You finish graduating high school. You look up after a year and you check in with your buddies. Hey, Bobby, what you doing now? Where you working? Oh, oh I, I, I ain't working nowhere. Bobby, you mean to tell me it's been a year after you graduated high school and you ain't working? No, no, I ain't working. Where you living at? I, I, I'm still at home with my mama. Bobby, what are you thinking? You're thinking this person is wasting time. You might run into somebody who is uh, who is working, um, who uh, you run into and you say, hey, let's let's switch the character. Let's use a lady's name. How about Brittany? Brittany. Hey, how you doing? You graduated? Yeah. Brittany, what are you doing? Oh, um, I'm at the community college. Now I finished my first year. Okay, Brittany. Yeah, I got an internship and, you know, I'm working. It's like, okay. They have taken that chance because they realize, hey, I'm not going to get this year back. Let me do something. Now, going to the second illustration, irresponsible, non-working, immature uh, folk, then if that's you, the realization of time is wasted. The first person realizes the chance that they have, working, responsible, accountable adult. The second person doesn't realize the time, and so the time is wasted. And we'll just say that person is lazy. Yeah, it ain't hard to look around and see folk that's lazy. They faking and playing like they got plans. They always talking like they, yeah, yeah I'm finna, I'm finna, I'm going to, I'm finna, I've been, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you just lazy. Okay, that's really what it boils down to. So you don't have to take my word for it because I know you saying, man, why are you being hard on people? Let's just read the Bible. Proverbs 13, 4, King James Version. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. 
but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat in the Bible. Fat implies abundance, meaning like, uh, you know, uh, uh, food or uh, a lot portion. Uh, so you see, again, the contrast of God, the sluggard and the diligent, nothing or fat. All right. Proverbs 18, nine King James version. He also that is he also that is slothful in his work is brother to him. That is a great waster. Proverbs 18, nine King James version. The Bible says you lazy joker. You are a great waster. You and your brother, great waster, are lazy and ain't doing nothing the same. But I know, hey, he only has two verses. We could pile many, but let me read you one more. Proverbs 20, verse 4, King James Version. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, he shall beg in harvest and have nothing. Two verses said the lazy sluggard joker will have nothing. That's why you look at people who don't take a chance and do something responsible or accountable, but they lazy, they waste time. And then you look up and they have nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is please. This is not a prosperity message. This is simply math. Four plus four is eight. The Bible say if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's what I'm talking about. But again, we're talking about few and the failure to realize the second implication in oligos, which not only means size or quantity, but it means time. Because, listen, we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. No one knows the day or hour, says Matthew 24. You don't know what time that will be for you, which means you should be running and serving God wide open all out. Because again, time is ticking. Here's a question for you to consider. Did you know that you, me, Joe Blow can be spiritually lazy? I just read to you verses about the physical and the carnal form of laziness. But some people, they are spiritually lazy. Here is a verse that should uh, uh, make the point. Deuteronomy 4, 20, verse 29, amplified classic version. I like how this one says it, so I wanted to share it. Again, Deuteronomy 4, 29. Amplified classic AMPC. But if from there you will seek, inquire for as require, inquire for and require as necessity, the Lord your God, you will find him if you truly seek him with all your heart and mind and soul and life. Deuteronomy 429 Amplified Classic Version. Some will seek the Lord. Some will seek the Lord a little bit. Some will seek the Lord a little bit more. Some will seek the Lord a lot. Some will seek the Lord a whole lot. The Bible says, if you seek the Lord, if you will seek as necessity. In other words, what do you do when you're hungry? 
A new word I just picked up, hangry. I'm hangry. I'm hungry and I'm angry. It's burning. I feel the hunger pains. What do you do when you are in buffet mode? You feel like you can eat two, three, four meals and drink a two liter. And you don't care about health and you're going to eat the fat, the, the gristle, the bread, and you're going to squirt the packet of ketchup in your mouth. That's how hungry you are. What do you do in that moment? You do not stop thinking about eating. You keep driving and working your way and moving crap out the way so you can say, no, I'm stopping everything because right now I need to eat. You have gone from the seat of want to eat being cute to need to eat. Ah, And that's what babies teach you. When you raise babies, they're going to come a point where they, that, that little sound ain't cute no more. You're going you're gonna to hear a demanding, that baby going to be like, hey, Joker, feed me now. And sometimes when you hold them, man, they snatch that little bottle. I'm like, wow, this, per this little baby really hungry. That's what this is saying. If you seek God that way. And the reason why people do not seek him according to this verse as necessity with all your heart and mind and soul and life is because they are spiritually lazy. Oh, it's been five minutes. That's enough prayer. Oh, I read two verses for the day. Oh, you know, uh, uh, the preacher been preaching for 25 minutes. Hey, 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 it's time to wrap up. I'm trying to get to the football game. You know, and on and on and on. Uh, I memorized one verse this year. That's good enough. And I can give you countless examples. But folks, I'm trying to drive this point home as to why the body of Christ and Christianity is a joke to a lot of people who are not saved. That is another song for another day. Let's keep going to our next word. That was few. And now we're going to end with the word find. Again, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. 14 says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So what does find mean? Find is defined as uh, to come upon often accidentally, to come upon by searching or effort, to discover by study or experiment, to obtain by effort or management. Another way to look at it is this. Find can be summarized as this. You cannot find if you are not looking. If you are not looking, then you will not find somebody's looking for a spouse. They hope to find a spouse. But when you think about it, you ask them, you check in with them. They ain't even looking. <laughs> if you ain't looking, you ain't going to find nothing. Now, find in the Greek is the word heurisco, heurisco. It means I find, learn, discover, especially after searching. It's like a, a, the form or shape of a muscle comes after countless repetitions. You don't get the muscle when you're in the gym. You get the muscle after the gym's 
the months and years, that's when your muscles start building. I get people ask me questions all the time. What you bench press? What you curl? This and that and other. Hey, man, you got <laughs> you. You got the love repetition. Do the same motion uh, ten thousands of times and then you will have muscle. All right. Heurisco means to find a sought thing. This is acquired to find by chance. Gained by or as a result of effort or experience. So let me highlight the terms in Heurisco, the Greek for fine. After searching, it is acquired, it is chance, and it is experience. All of those words mean a process or progress. It's, it has to take place before find the green light for fine is ding, 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 ding. Before find is reached, those things have to take place. Here's a few points on find. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. Share this thing. Like this thing. Not for me, but to share it with people you know that need more of Jesus in their life. Need more of a love for God word in their life. Here's a few points on find one time is of the essence when it comes to finding anything. If you lose your keys, let's say you come out of Walmart, you get up to your car and you realize, doggone it, where my keys at? Now you rushing to find your keys because you don't want to be there all night. You get your food, you know, you got some uh, uh, apple juice and apples and ice cream and some meat. You're like, man, I got to find these keys so I can hurry and put these groceries in the car so I can hurry up and get home and put them in a, in a refrigerator. The time you give to what you are searching for depends on the value of what you are looking for. So time and finding is time or the value. Time and value are the same. If something is not valuable to you, you ain't going to look for it long. You ever been in your bathroom and you drop a couple Q-tips? Man, you say, man, pick them jokers up and throw them in the trash. You got a hundred, two, three hundred of them in the pack. I don't need them to. Now, you hungry, okay? You just made two steaks and you so happen to drop that thing on the floor. Now, you ain't got to tell me what you're going to do. But I know what I'm going to do, okay? And let's leave it at that because I value that piece of meat. Let's move on. Some things are worth waiting for or finding. Some things are worth waiting for. And or finding. In other words, don't stop searching just because you ain't found it yet. For example, a spouse. Dating as a teenager is pretty much a waste of time. You can't marry the person. Two people dating at 15, you can't marry the person. You can't lock that person into your life. So it's a waste of time. All right. Again, dating as a teenager is a waste of time and open sesame for fornication or boyfriendification. Okay, fornication, boyfriendication buffet. That's all teenage dating is. Okay. Now, last point on the find fruit is born over time. Look at the classic example of disciplining children. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, and I hope somebody is listening who, who kids is bad. Let's just go ahead and make it plain. Nowadays, the norm is for children to be bad 
when I say bad, I ain't saying they burning down the mall, but I'm saying they don't listen to the parents. They don't listen. The parent is whoa out constantly. Hey, stop that. Stop that. Da, 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 da. Children ain't got no discipline. Let's read this verse. Hebrews 12, 11, the living Bible. TLB. It says being punished isn't enjoyable while it is happening. It hurts. But afterwards, we can see the result, a quiet growth in grace and character. Man, if you if you just look around on this one verse, Hebrews 12, 11, it's just wonderful. That's what children who don't have no discipline don't have. They don't have no quiet grace and character. They're they're a pest to be around. And it's the big stinking elephant in the room. I don't have time to go there today, but let's move on. Hopefully you got those points about fine. Time is of the essence. Uh, the value in time depends on what you're looking for. Some things are worth waiting for and or finding and fruit is born over time. So you have to keep on searching. Let's look at that same verse, Hebrews 12, 11 in the Amplified Classic. And I believe this is the last point on this podcast. Same verse, Hebrews 12, 11, Amplified Classic Version. For the time being, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit, which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. Oh, how beautiful it is. You and I both see children. When you finally see a child, a little boy or a little girl, and they are quiet, they're respectful, and they are obeying their parents. Have a seat, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. And he sits down. It's like, oh, how cute. Oh, my. It's so adorable. It's like, you know, everybody wins. When children are obedient to their parents, nobody wins when children are disobedient to their parents. So, folks, that's how fine is over time. The beauty of what you have found and what you find after a while. Oh, it's so wonderful. Last verse I'll share with it, and we're going to close out this podcast. Matthew 13, 44, King James Version. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Matthew 13, 44, King James Version. So why does the man sell all that he has for the field to attend to the pearl that he found? Because... That pearl was worth finding. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tay Love preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. Today's podcast was called Most Some None. The main verse was Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Until next time. Get the trash, man. Free
preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 19. Make disciples of all. Make disciples of One life. One death. One time. Make disciples. Make disciples.